This week's newsletter and podcast is an article from the 2016 archives, and it applies so well to what we're going through right now. Transformation is not possible unless we change our beliefs. And that's not easy to do because we all have sacred cows, beliefs we hold closely to us that shape and define our reality, that create the foundation of our truth, and that rule over our choices and decisions, no matter how difficult or destructive these beliefs are. These sacred cows are what holds our 3D reality together. And if we want to create energy openings for 5D energy, we need to replace these sacred cows with new beliefs and new truths. Welcome to the High Vibes Living Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hoffman, your host, and I want to show you how to create your rich, happy, and successful life. Since 2004, I've been teaching soul-congruent, mind-expanding, wholeness living to a global audience. I'm known as the world's most accurate intuitive, the iconic energy savant, a best-selling author of eight books, the expert on energy boundaries, alignment, integration, and intention. And I'm the founder of the Becoming 360 Method of Transformation. I'm here to motivate, inspire, and energize you to embrace your full potential, upsource your possibilities, revive your life, and shine your light brightly. Thank you for joining me on this week's High Vibes Living Podcast. And I hope you'll learn something that tunes you into your high vibes and motivates, energizes, and inspires you and shines some light on your journey. Let's get started. A few years ago, I wrote that we cannot heal the world by putting ourselves on the cross. This refers to the end of the martyred healer paradigm, in which we sacrifice ourselves, our joy, peace of mind, and heart in the name of our light work and open ourselves to the Christed awareness paradigm instead. It's a graduation where we become empowered joyful light leaders, embodying the sacred and powerful divinity that forces us to choose between being in service as a servant to others in self-limiting sacrifice and the martyred healer or of service as a source of inspiration in empowered mastery. We make this choice, usually unconsciously, every day and in every situation. The choices we consider as being possibilities are determined by our beliefs, what we believe is true and what we believe is possible. But to achieve transformation, we must be willing to embody new beliefs, not just think they're a good idea, but truly align with, integrate and embody them as our new belief path. To embody new beliefs, we must be willing to let go of our sacred cows ingrained beliefs whose release comes at the cost of changing everything we know about ourselves, about our reality, and about the world. It's a tough choice. A few people accuse me of being disrespectful of Jesus on the cross with my comment about not putting ourselves on the cross, but that's not what I meant at all. But the image of the crucifixion is the martyred healer's logo, And that is one of the sacred cows we're going to have to let go of now. Why, with everything else Jesus did, is the cross his enduring legacy? Why not focus on the miracles, the insistence that he was no greater than any of us, 
the many mansions that we have access to, and the divinity which was his parting gift to us. Because Jesus Christ didn't come to be the Christ, he came to teach us about being Christed, which is the difference between the martyr and the master, between powerless self-sacrifice and empowered self-awareness. If we adopt the Christed awareness paradigm, which is one of the 5D energy models, we have to let go of many sacred cows, including the beliefs that we must suffer, that we aren't powerful, and that we have no control over our lives and our destiny. It means that we must take responsibility for our energetic integrity, use our energy wisely to bring our energetic sovereignty to the forefront, and to be aware in each moment that we're constantly creating the world we live in. There is no they who rule the world other than those who have amassed all the money while we were watching reality TV. The real power is something that cannot be controlled, but it can be manipulated only when we're unaware. Being powerless is another sacred cow that we must be willing to release at the cost of taking total responsibility for our lives and our reality. And then we have to release the belief that we aren't worthy, deserving, or capable of a personal and individual source or God connection, and that we need religion and church for that purpose. Church was once a communal gathering for like-spirited believers who shared a philosophy. Now it has become an institutionalized corporate pulpit for power, greed, control, and manipulation. We don't need religion for God, but we can create belief-based communities where our God selves can connect that are spiritually aware and resonant and embody the best of our desire for the 5D energies of connection, cooperation, collaboration, community, and creativity. The second coming of Christ isn't going to be Jesus' rebirth, another one of our sacred cows. It's awakening to our own Christed awareness, and that's part of this Ascension Cycle Phase 2 which we are now in as of January 2022. We are the resurrection. We are the ascension and the second coming. And no, we don't need to get our white robes and halos out, but we do need to start thinking about doing some emotional and energetic housekeeping to make room for this new paradigm. How about releasing some of our own sacred cows, the personal beliefs that are the reason we allow guilt and shame to run and direct our lives so that we doubt second guess and are paralyzed with fear and anxiety over our choices and what's going on within our lives. We seek validation, acknowledgement, redemption, and confirmation from those who we think know more than we do or are more enlightened than we are. These sacred cow beliefs like, I'm not good enough, I can't, I don't believe, I never will, keep us mired in beliefs that we will never become any more than the smallest, most scared, least obvious version of ourselves. What about the belief that everyone can and should love us in the way we want to be loved and then blaming ourselves, our inadequacies, and our obvious lack of lovability when they don't? When I first introduced the affirmation, everyone in my life loves, honors, and respects me around 2005, I also said this was an energy boundary, and it didn't mean that there would be a transformation in people who currently are not loving, honoring, or respecting you. It's a strong energy boundary that defines the kind of energy you want in your life. 
and people around you will respond either positively or negatively to it. What about our sacred cows of anger, resentment, and victimhood? Something can make us angry, and our anger is justified, but how long do we stay angry? And do we really believe that our anger at one thing does not pollute everything else in our lives? We can be victims of situations, but we do not have to become victimized for a lifetime by them. And yet, we can wear our trauma like a badge of honor, reminding ourselves of how badly we've been treated. Now, I'm not marginalizing or trivializing the impact of trauma and abuse here. It's very real and can be severe. I know I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people who've been traumatized in a variety of ways. But how long do we carry the belief in our own victimhood until we get tired of living like a victim? This is something I have expert knowledge of, and I wrote about it in my book, From Victim to Victor, which you can read about on my book website, jenniferhoffmanbooks.com, and you can purchase the book from Amazon. The link is on that page. Of these three, I think resentment is the worst because it's anger that's been allowed to simmer, stew, and fester for a long time. Resentment is the opposite of forgiveness, and it comes from the French word ressentir, which means to feel again. Resentment is what gives anger its superpowers, so we can use our resentment to justify our trauma, victimization, and belief in our own disempowerment. And resentment is what justifies our desire for revenge, which we can often express as self-sabotage. Let me share a few examples of this with you because I have some pretty good examples from my own personal experience and from clients that I've spoken to over the last, in the last 20 years that I've been doing readings and coaching with clients. Let me give you an example of what happens when anger is allowed to fester and it turns into resentment and the physical in- impact that it can have. I was invited to a friend's parents' house for dinner and when I walked into the dining room, I saw the most gorgeous dining room set. It was a huge table, an antique, highly polished. I think the wood was mahogany. The table was enormous. It probably sat 20 and it had matching chairs and a gorgeous buffet. And I complimented the mother on the beautiful dining room set. And she looked at me and went into this 15 minute rant about how angry she was that when she bought the buffet, somebody else had bought the hutch for the top of it. And she didn't have the whole set. And she was so mad. I said, well, maybe you could make that person an offer and they would sell it to you. And she said, oh, no, it's been 25 years and she'll never let me have it. And I'll always hate her for it. I was pretty stunned because from the way that she was reacting, I thought whatever had gone on had happened probably within the last maybe month to two weeks. It happened 25 years before. She had been carrying the burden of that anger and resentment every time she looked at her gorgeous dining room set, which, by the way, she didn't enjoy because it just reminded her that somebody had cheated her out of the hutch. But that wasn't the only thing. When I met this woman, I was shocked. She was probably in her late 50s, early 60s. She had the appearance, the skin of a 90-year-old woman. Her face had so many wrinkles. I'd never seen anyone with that many wrinkles. And she really looked about 30 years older than she was. And I remember at the time thinking, wow, she must be carrying a lot of energy or carrying a lot of something to have her face so wrinkled. And of course, she was really angry about this dining room set. 
and it had a physical impact on her. Don't think that if you carry around a lot of anger and bitterness and resentment that it doesn't show on your face, that it doesn't appear in your body somewhere. That kind of energy can do a lot of physical damage. Let me share another example with you of a woman whose sacred cow, whose belief was that she was unwanted, unloved, in the way, and inconvenient. This is a client of mine, and she was probably in her 60s. I think she'd been born in the mid-1950s. To parents who weren't expecting her, because they had already been married for 20 years, they were in their 40s, and they had not been able to have children and had resigned themselves to the fact that they would never have children. So they had the life of a married couple with no children. They went, took trips together. They ate dinner out. They had their lives. They were just a couple. It was just the two of them. And then the woman gets pregnant. Now, this is the 1950s when most parents of young children were in their early 20s. Everyone thought her parents were her grandparents because they were so much older than everybody else's parents. And she had the distinct feeling that she was interloping on her parents' relationship, like she was always the third wheel. She was always the outsider. She didn't feel loved by her parents who weren't particularly affectionate with her. I mean, they were older. They weren't young, like 19, 20-year-old parents. They didn't mistreat her. They just didn't give her extra emotion. They weren't attentive like parents of a child would be. They made sure she was taken care of, but It was almost, as she described it, very institutional. Like they had to take care of her, so they did. She just felt like she was in the way, like she had intruded on their lives, and she felt very unwelcome. So fast forward to the present, where she's now a 40-year-old woman who's never been married, who has a lackluster career, a rather boring, uninteresting life, who always has felt like an outsider. And this belief that she's in the way, she's inconvenient, has always prevented her from stepping out, from asserting herself, from finding her place in the world, from claiming something that belongs to her, like a career or an interest or an area of expertise or authority. When we started coaching, she approached me from this very timid perspective. And if we'd been talking face to face, I'm sure she would have had a hard time looking me in the eye. By the time we finished coaching, her perspective was completely different. She realized that the belief that she was unwanted wasn't really true. She was unexpected, that her parents had just given up on the hope of having children, and that by the time she came, they were older. They weren't as demonstrative with their affections. They kind of didn't know what to do with her. So we had talked through some of the perspectives that she had and changed those beliefs, changed the sacred cow of I'm in the way to they just need to make room in their lives. They need to rearrange things so that I can fit in, but I need to let people know how I want that to be done or how that needs to work for me. Her belief that she was unloved and unwanted got shifted to she was unexpected And quite frankly, the parents, they didn't know what to do. They were so shocked that they had finally had a baby at a time when, again, most people of that age were becoming grandparents, not first-time parents. And it was very awkward for them as well because people stared at them all the time. They truly thought this girl was their grandchild. And in those days, grandparents didn't raise their grandchildren. Parents raised their children. 
came and I, I told her one day, I said, you know, you came as a light beacon, as a pioneer. You came to introduce concepts, to teach people compassion and non-judgment. And that gave her like a, this spark of awareness and a spark of hope that all was not lost. By the time we finished coaching, she changed a lot of those beliefs that had been so destructive and that had been so difficult for her to reconcile that belief that she was unwanted, unloved, inconvenient in the way were changed. But until they were changed, they were sacred cows. They were ingrained beliefs that prevented her from really just leading a life that she was happy with and happy in. And let me share one more example with you of something like this, because these sacred cows, these beliefs aren't just beliefs that we hold individually. They can be generational beliefs. They can be things that you believe in your family over and over that have been passed down through the generations in your family, and you just accept them as true, even if they're not. One of my clients came to me, and she lives in the Philippines, and she wanted some support in helping tell her parents that she wasn't going to get married. She was going to go to school, and she was going to go to university and get a degree, and she had even plotted out because she was going into a field where she wanted to get her master's, and then she wanted to go on to get her PhD, which would be about, what, four, about 10 years. During that time, of course, she was not going to get married. She was not going to have children. And in her family, that's what everybody did. The women got married. The boys found wives and they kind of brought them into the family and the family grew. And they were just waiting for her to do her bit and to find somebody to marry so that they could kind of absorb this person into the family and increase the size of the family. So when she told her parents that you know, she was going to school. Their reaction was predictable. They weren't very happy about it. And the mother said something to her that echoed what she had believed. And what was her biggest struggle? And the mother said, well, girls in our family don't need an education. They get married, they have children, they're happy, and their life is set. Their husband takes care of them. The family takes care of them. You know, the brothers will take care of them and the uncles and the cousins, and you don't need an education. And she had been told all her life, you don't need an education. In fact, she was even kind of believing that she wasn't that smart because nobody had ever made that important, but also nobody had ever told her she was smart or that there was value in being smart. So she approached this decision with a lot of trepidation. And of course, it was a lot of pushback from the family. She did it anyway. She went and got all the degrees she wanted. And her family was quite proud of her once everything was done. But during that period, it was pretty difficult and she didn't spend a lot of time with them because they weren't very welcoming. In fact, they were quite disappointed that she wasn't carrying on the family traditions because that's what girls were supposed to do. And for a long time, they made her feel like not just an outcast, but that she was actually betraying the family values by not wanting to do what everybody else did. So these sacred cows, these beliefs, I'm not smart enough, I can't do this, also extend into what are people going to think about me if I buck the trend, if I don't do what's expected of me, if I follow a different path for myself. One of the reasons we hold on to these sacred cows, we hold on to these ingrained beliefs is because they make us part of our community, of our tribe. They make us part of our family. They make us part of a circle that we want to belong to. In fact, our well-being depends on us belonging to that circle. But then there comes a time when we challenge those sacred cows, we challenge those beliefs, we want something outside of the circle. 
And we have to be willing to release the beliefs that make that energy prison that put us in that circle and let them go so that we can step out and do whatever it is that we want to do. All right, so that's the examples. Let's move on with the continuation of the Sacred Cows and New Beliefs article. When it comes to our sacred cows, these ingrained beliefs, the ones that are the most traumatic, that are the most dramatic, that keep us in these cycles of karma, that keep us in a system that doesn't allow us to expand our energy, to spread our wings, and to discover who we are and what we want to become. They're long-standing responses to emotion and energetic trauma that we've been hiding behind. They've been our sacred cows for far too long. Are they true? Yes, they are absolutely true. But they represent the truth of our reality at the time the events happened. They are one aspect of truth based on the past that we can either carry forward into the present or we can change the truth and the beliefs that it creates. But changing beliefs requires that we allow ourselves to align with and integrate new truths, no matter what we believed was true in the past. And to do that, we have to change what we once believed was true, which it was, for a new truth that is empowered, masterful, enlightened, and expands our energetic sovereignty. The sacred cows of energetic poverty, victimhood, guilt, shame, fear, and trauma have to be replaced or we will never escape the energy presence that we've allowed them to become for us. What about the sacred cows of our expectations, the beliefs that compel us to hold energetic space for the people we desperately want to love, honor, and respect us until they become what we want them to be for us? Letting go of these beliefs is challenged by the truth that we fear, that they were right. We're not worthy of their love, honor, respect, consideration, or validation. And not only is this true of them, but it's true of everybody else too. Why is it that one traumatic incident around relationships and love can compel us to believe that we are just unlovable based on our interaction with one person? Have you experienced that in your life? I bet you have. I know I have. I can remember when I was 15, a boy who rejected me in a very public and rather embarrassing way. But I can remember thinking, well, I guess nobody will love me. Like this is the kind of treatment that I can expect from anyone. It took a while for me to come out of that belief that I was just unlovable because he had rejected me. I know some of you can relate to this, but this is an adulteration of the truth because in reality, Everyone gives us exactly what they have, can align with, and how they can resonate with our energy. But this is an adulteration of the truth, because in reality, but this is an adulteration of the truth, because in reality, everyone gives us exactly what they have, can align with, and how they can resonate with our energy. Can you relate to this? And this is so important because we think everyone should treat us the same way or respond to us in the same way. And that's just not true. Every single person resonates with our energy in a different way. If the resonance is really high, then they're going to relate to us extremely well. But if the resonance is really low, there'll be fights and arguments. They won't feel like they understand you. You won't understand them. And eventually the relationship will end. We also have to release the sacred cow of believing that there is a higher potential in everyone and we can allow them to show it 
by loving them, believing in them, by encouraging them, by dimming our own light for them and sacrificing our joy for them. When do we release our expectations and stop living in a potential future instead of setting our energy boundaries and living in the empowered reality of the present? The present is the only reality that has any power. Our joy doesn't lie out there or in some distant future that will become the present when someone loves us. The only empowered moment is the present, and it is in the present, the here and now, that we establish the truth of our energetic sovereignty and set our energy boundaries to have the love, honor, and respect that we want in all of our connections. Think back to when you know you began your spiritual path, anytime around 1979, 1991, 2003, after 2012, or around 2020, and it could be any time in between there, and it could be earlier than 1979. Those are just critical years in this ascension cycle. Was it hard and full of challenges? I know mine was. That's because we started this journey as martyred healers. Now we're graduating into light beacons, and our crisis awareness demands service at a new and higher level. This is about giving and receiving, filling our own plates with the love and compassion that we so joyfully and generously give to others, creating connections that are empowering and uplifting instead of being the sole source of empowerment and enlightenment to others, and giving from our extra once our own cup is full instead of from our limited supply. We cannot deplete our energy resources because of a belief that we are here to serve rather than having balanced relationships and connections that are a revolving door for giving and receiving. But as we embrace the new beliefs that are part of these new paradigms, we also have to put our sacred cows out to pasture. Any belief that exists to support our limitation, unworthiness, lack of divinity, by the way, which is profanity, weakness and disconnection that we have once relied upon to define our reality is a sacred cow, and it cannot be supported in the energy and light of our Christed awareness life models. Releasing these ingrained beliefs, which have been a source of empowerment in many ways, that include disempowerment for us for a long time will require careful consideration because as we embody and embrace a new empowering belief, we also have to release an old sacred cow that has served to limit us in some way, to dim our light, usurp our power, and hold us in subservience to a belief that we are unworthy of the divinity that is the core of our being. Some people will reach their release limit and won't be able to release beliefs. Others won't want to release anything. They'll be waiting for Jesus to appear out of the sky and whisk them away. And some of you have already released every belief and stripped your emotional and energetic house to the bare walls because you're so ready for this. Remember that evolution and ascension are a collective journey as well as an individual path. Everyone does what is right and best for them. Decide how empowered you want to be. Then let your sacred cows go so you have room in your life and your heart for your new Christed awareness. You've earned it. You deserve it. So get ready for the next phase of your ascension path and humanity's collective ascension journey, which can be so much more fun, fulfilling, and enjoyable than the previous one was. We stop being martyred healers and we start 
embracing our empowered mastery and our energetic sovereignty. So let me ask you, what sacred cows are you willing to release to allow your Christed awareness to shine brightly? Thanks so much for tuning in to the High Vibes Living Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hoffman, your host. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode and that it has inspired, motivated, and energized you to take a few steps towards your rich, happy, and successful life. If you need more inspiration for your life path, check out my eight best-selling books on Amazon or look at a transformational intuitive session, coaching, or program on my website, enlighteninglife.com. Be sure to sign up for my newsletter and join my over 5 million weekly blog readers. Please subscribe to the High Vibes Living Podcast. Give it a like and a review. Your acknowledgement helps others find us and get the information and inspiration they need to turn their pain into joy and their fear into confidence. Your Becoming 360 transformation into congruence and divine harmony is a step away, as is your rich, happy, and successful life. Join us each week for a new episode, and I look forward to our next time together.